And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show presented by Sling. It is a Thursday afternoon if you're watching on the YouTube stream. Friday morning if you're listening on the podcast. It is time to pick some games. Nicole Auerbach, she of Power Hour, is here. Ari Wasserman, he of Stars Matter, is here. Nicole and Ari, how are we doing? Hello, guys. How are you? It's lovely to see your your beautiful faces. I shaved, so it's extra pretty today. Well, yeah, I can see a little bit uh, more of it. Yeah. Ari Ari sent me some clips of his workout that he did before this this show, and it is it is tremendous. I'm a, I'm going to let him decide when he's going to put those on the internet, Nicole. But uh, let, let's How just say, I get, I, why didn't I get a, a clip from this workout, Ari? Uh, just picture me out of breath. You got it. <laughs> oh no, Ari's on like Ari's a fitness doing, Instagram. Yeah, he's doing the hardcore stuff. He's got they're, they're, they got the bands out, the the dumbbell bands where you've got to hold. You're on the bench and you got to hold one arm up <laughs> yeah, while you're yeah. while you're pumping the other arm. Ari is going to be an underwear model in my, three months. I'm telling uh, my you, my right arms now. are shaking holding this mic up. So it's just a nice reminder to get a stand. But we're uh, we're. Uh, we're feeling good. We're feeling good. This it, it, eventually we'll get there. You know, it's been a long journey, but we're, we're going to get there. And um, I'm very fired up, not because of working out, but because of some of these spreads this weekend. Um, oh, it's going to be. And I, this and is going to be a fun show because. And I found out too that getting into Twitter feuds with people before the show is really good to amp me. It's like it's like walking through the tunnel at the Rose Bowl. I assume. I missed this one. I was I was busy putting the show together. What what, what are, are we you, feuding about who right are you now? Fe- yeah, who are you feuding uh, with? Clemson fans are very mad at me for comparing them to 2014 Florida State. Mm. Oh, I think they feel seen. I'm scared. <laughs> I well, listen. Anybody who watched that season is going. Yep, that's it. Looks about right. I, I, as I tweeted, I said that. I'd be more concerned about the opinion if anybody other than Clemson fans was angry. I mean that's that's really about it. But that Nicole, we talked about Ari and I talked about that line a lot when we did the reaction show to the rankings. It is a, a weird one. It so okay. So remember how much we all freaked out at the very first rankings ever. I mean, we always talk about we look fondly back about Mississippi State, but everyone was shocked that Florida State wasn't higher because they were undefeated that was the beginning of us learning that just because you're undefeated does not mean the committee loves you Mm -hmm. so it's funny that we're all wired so differently now where um you know i thought that tcu would be ahead of alabama which maybe you know again is they're trying to rewire that stuff but this was a good example of like the type of team that in the past, maybe numbers would have loved a different little differently. I don't know, but I don't think anyone coming out of that rankings, looking at these rankings, especially seeing Michigan behind them, because so many of us thought Michigan was going to be in the top four, would take Clemson over Michigan on a neutral site field. And that's where I did not see anyone who thought 
that that would be the case, that Clemson would be favored in that game. And so that gets to the conversation of most deserving versus best resume versus, you know, Michigan's a really, really, really good football team, right? So it's it's one of those. It's going to work itself out. But Ari, I do appreciate you taking the fight to the Clemson fans because, um, you know, they've just, they've had things go so well for so long that I'm sure that they needed to uh, find a new nemesis for you. Alex Kirshner from split zone duo tweeted this after the thing, after the playoff call on Saturday, I mean, Tuesday, sorry. And I thought it was like the perfect tweet and I wish I would have come up with it myself, but he said, it's not personal, but I'm adopting a, someone needs to do something about Clemson for the good of the sports stance. We don't need to see this year's Clemson in a semifinal play the role of Notre Dame or Oklahoma. Some will handle this on our national behalf. And it's true. It's like, it's like they're kind of blocking. Cause like if Clemson goes undefeated, they're in there's, it doesn't matter if they yes. win by yes. one exactly or by, right. they're in. So it's kind of like the entire sport is just sitting here with bated breath, hoping that they don't block a spot from somebody else. Who's probably better than them, but just, they took the spot cause they happened to not lose. And like, I, 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 I do think agree. that I do think that going undefeated in a power five conference is inherently Difficult. There's no question about it. And if you do that and you win your conference, you deserve to be in. So I'm not saying that Clemson doesn't deserve to be in. I'm not even saying that Florida State and 14 didn't deserve to be in. But everybody with functioning retinas is looking at this team and knows they're not going to win the national title. And in a year where there are so many good teams and so many other discussion points, it would be much better if someone new got in Um Instead of Clemson taking that final spot, because no matter who gets in in the fourth spot, probably is going to get their butts kicked in the first round anyway. So let's watch somebody else get their butts kicked. I'm not so sure that's the case this year because I don't feel like anybody's as dominant. That the number four team just is definitely going to get destroyed. I I don't think so. But let us talk about Clemson. Let's talk about Clemson Notre Dame. We'll get right into the picks here. Clemson, four point favorite against Notre Dame. Ari, when we did the reaction show, on Tuesday night, it was a three-and-a-half-point favorite, clearly. Some some gamblers have seen that this is a strange-looking line. You you pointed it out. It looked strange to you. It's not that many points. Clemson should be favored by a lot more against a team that lost to, to Marshall and Stanford. But I don't know. It, it's, it's, it's tempting here because everybody loves that, that brand of Notre Dame or hates that brand of Notre Dame. But I will point out to you, Notre Dame beat Syracuse because it ran the ball straight up the middle against Syracuse, had very little problem doing that. Uh, Drew Pine, I like, what, are, what are Drew Pine's stats from the Syracuse game? 9 of 19 for 116 yards with one touchdown and one interception. Guys, Notre Dame ain't beating Clemson unless something happens very differently on offense than what has happened in every other Notre Dame game. And this is the entire point. Like, there's no way you're not taking Clemson here, right? Like, this, it, it might be the trap of the Las Vegas trap of the century, but like it's one of those traps where you just put your foot in and hope it doesn't get you, you know, because it's like I I look at Clemson and what I said about them was inherently negative if you're a Clemson fan. Right. But you still have to make the point that they're still better than 95 to 98 percent of the sport just because they're I don't view them as the fourth best team right now. doesn't mean that they're not a very good football team. So even if you take Clemson out of the national championship discussion discussion and put them side by side by Notre Dame. There's no question which team is a better football team. So I'm trying to come up with the, uh, the the thought process of like, what is the matchup in this game? Or what is the thing in this game 
that's going to give Notre Dame a chance. And I'm looking at the team and everything I've watched. throws them the ball a few times. That, yeah, it's, like, it's, like it's the, the quarterback. Game. It's right. It's like th- this isn't it was interesting looking statistically at some of the top teams, um, which we know that they the committee is getting these advanced metrics and some of the stuff isn't that advanced and people use it now, you know, points per drive and um, yards per play and all these different things. I mean, Clemson's offense is significantly further down the totem pole than all of the other teams we talk about as, as contenders. Well, but right. It matches exactly what it feels like when you watch them. Right. And so it's, it's hard. It's a struggle. It's not reliable. There's a stretch there where like DJ had some things figured out and they figured they, they were playing pretty well, but still the last time we saw Clemson, they nearly lost to Syracuse and they subbed out their starting quarterback and then insisted that there's not a quarterback controversy. So like you still do have some questions if you're looking at ways that this is going to either be closer than you anticipated or possibly have an environment where Notre Dame has a chance to win. You have it because of Clemson's offense. It's not exactly where it was like the beginning of last season, but the last time out, there were a lot of problems. After the game, uh, the Syracuse game, Dabo said in the post-game news, or not news conference, but the interview on the field, uh, that every now and then Steph Curry goes two for 19 and he has to come out of the game. And I take two exceptions to that. One, uh, DJ is not Steph Curry. And two, I don't think Steph Curry's ever gone two for 19. I'm not a basketball whiz, but I would be shocked if that was ever a real stat line. Yeah, it's like saying every now and then Ben Simmons goes two for 19 and comes out of the game. Which is like yeah. frequent, I imagine. Yeah. Or, or uh, well, he goes he goes zero for zero because he won't shoot. But so, yeah, Clemson, number 66 in the country in yards per play gained. Now, their net points per drive rank, which is how many points per drive you score minus how many points per drive you allow is 10th in the country, which tells you how good their defense is. And this is an elite defensive line is the best part of that team. And that is the problem I have with Notre Dame, because it's not just that they have these, you know, pass rushers that come screaming off the edge. They are great up the middle too. Brian Brissy is a top 10 draft pick. Tyler Davis is a top 50 to a hundred type player. It's it's Notre Dame is, is tough because like I, I love tight ends. I love how lots of programs have been using them. I saw some did someone say that Brock Bowers was like somehow underrated? I saw that. I was like, no, people are already launching his Heisman candidates. Quite, quite accurate accurately rated. <laughs> accurately rated. So anyway, tight ends are having a moment. It's been this way for a couple of years. Uh Michael Myers, great. Your best player can't be your tight end and only your tight end when you then have tr- trouble getting the ball to him and have no other weapons, so you know you're going to go to yeah. him. That becomes the problem. Your, your, with, your with best player game. can be your tight end if you have A.D. Mitchell burning on the outside. Yes. Notre Dame doesn't have anything like that. Notre Dame doesn't have anybody who can stretch you vertically, and so everybody looks for number 87, and they know you're going to feed and he's it still to gonna do, he, He's still going to yeah. do I mean, your special things in the game. If your best player Kyle Pitts, it can, it can work. But there were other. Darius Tony was on. No, no, I know, but I'm just saying, like Kyle Pitts is uh, not a human. Yeah, right. But you still need other options that they have to cover. No, I know. There was another first round draft pick on that offense. Just pointing that out. Speaking of SEC teams, let's let's head to Baton Rouge for our what to watch for presented by Sling Game. Alabama at LSU. I'm acting like this is the appetizer to the main course in Athens. It's actually the game that comes on after that. But I am fascinated by this game because while LSU has not won in Baton Rouge since 2010, there have been some some pretty close games. 
LSU has played Alabama tough when it's not supposed to. It feels like this is a time it is supposed to play Alabama tough. Yet Alabama is almost a two touchdown favorite. I'm take I'm laying the points here. Really? I'm not I'm not I'm not convinced that LSU is good now. I'm not saying they're bad, but like it's kind of very similar to the feeling that you get with Clemson, I think, uh where you watch the games and like they have long spurts of or they did long spurts of offensive ineptitude. You know, it's like they only scored 13 points against Tennessee. And it's like, is that all fixed now? Jaden Daniels is just confident and can throw really well in two weeks. Like I mean, nothing's good. They're playing it's Bama. A this lot weekend. better. No, I know, I know but is it fixed? Jaden Daniels hat. Because if it's not fixed, this is when it's not when it when it becomes apparent that it's not fixed. And I know it's on the road and it's in Death Valley, and of course you're like clinging to the memories of how awesome this game always is. And I'm sure it's going to be crazy this weekend because LSU, I guess we got a lot of comments saying that if LSU wins out, that they could be in the playoff. Right. And they should have been in our 13, our list of well, 13 they potentially. The, they would be the first two loss team to do it. Yes. But like technically speaking, if they were to beat Alabama and then beat Georgia or Tennessee at the end of the year, you might yes. find a way to, I mean, the SEC champion is going to go. If, yeah. If there are two loss SEC champ, they're in. So if that happens, then I guess the, the list of 13 teams that could make it should have been 14. But like, I just don't know when the perspective of LSU changed from, oh my God, there's a lot of issues with this team to they could make the playoff. Like it happened I, like that. Like it's I will like, tell, I'll tell you when it happened. It happened when the offense looked better against Florida and against Ole Miss. Now we could find out. Say that again out loud. Exactly. That's yeah. what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. Florida's defense and Ole Miss's defense should not give you any confidence whatsoever. And so a, a breakout performance against those two defenses maybe shouldn't give you any confidence either. But I will point out that that has been steady incremental improvement. And sometimes you just need to see something work to figure out how things should work together. Because remember, new quarterback in Jaden Daniels, new offensive play caller in Mike Denbrock, some new players. This is not a a group that was playing together for years. This is a group that is still trying to learn each other. So there are two flip sides to this, though. Mm -hmm. One is how fractured is Alabama too, right? How how fractured is it really? And then second of all, are you going to buy into the Death Valley stuff, like the the SEC stuff? Alabama Alabama's played no, and it. That's where I was going to say they've played well there, although they have struggled in true road environments the last couple of years. Like that's where we've seen, you know, again, Tennessee and Texas this year, all the penalties, um, you know, I mean, you've, you've seen them get rattled, but they have played well in, in Death Valley. Here, here's an interesting thing that I keep coming back to, because I, I think if LSU plays Florida State again, this week, that game goes differently, right? Do we, are we at least in agreement on that? Yes, that I think LSU would beat Florida State if they played now. Well, if they could kick an extra point, they would have beaten them the first time. Well, so that, but that gets to my second point. My second point is LSU's special teams still needs to play well to have a chance in this game. Because like to me, and I know it sounds simplistic, but again, Alabama's had some really bad turnovers, uh, sorry, um, penalties and just mistakes in their biggest games this season. Bryce Young has been a magician and has saved them. And actually, this goes back to last season, right? But they wouldn't have been close against Tennessee. They would not have beat Texas if you didn't have like that Bryce Young magic. LSU's had some really terrible special teams gaffes in their losses this year. 
if they clean that up, Alabama doesn't have a million penalties, then I think we get a good game. Like, we want this to be a really good game. You're talking about, like, the types of historic games we've had in Alabama-LSU. But I think those are keys for both of them to to win the game and certainly for LSU to keep it close. You cannot be making those types of mistakes like they did against Tennessee when Tennessee was then just able to run through them. I'll also say that the committee had more respect for LSU and also changed the idea of like, are they a playoff team? I think for a lot of people by putting them at 10, that was five spots higher than they were ranked in the AP poll. So that creates a top 10 win for Tennessee, also a top 10 matchup now. So then, you know, I think the way that they talked about LSU also possibly changes people's perceptions a little bit. Yeah, I, I, just, I don't know why perceptions need to be changed. Like in 2017, it's the same story. If Auburn had won the SEC, they were going to be. I just think about that. I, I think like we we saw them getting better. You know, like this is a team. This yeah. is one where for whatever we can talk about fit with Brian Kelly. Like he's a good coach and the team gets better. Um, but I just think in terms of like the playoff conversation, everything is ramped up since we've gotten rankings. Like that's just naturally going to change the conversation yeah and let cam, us cam just said that uh, our producer camelina just said to take uh, bama has five and zero in baton rouge since 2010 yeah. i i was at yeah all but one of those and a couple of them were pretty close and, and nick terry here saying that number seems about right wondering if you should buy a point and take the tigers at 14 and a half Ooh. and like i've learned i've learned buying Don't points buy is Buying points makes you feel good before the bet. You got an extra score in there. It feels great. But it's like if 13 and a half is wrong, it's going to be really wrong. Uh, and I think over time, if you make a habit of buying points uh, over the course of a season, the amount of juice that you're laying um, outweighs how much you might lose in a single bet uh, by losing by the hook. So uh, Jackson Carney on the, the the YouTube feed says, the fit thing is so tired. Brian Kelly's very well liked here. That's what Nicole was saying. Uh, we've covered this a million times on the show. If you win, you fit. That's that's all yep. there is to it. It's it's not complicated. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, guys, let us move 
to Athens. These lines presented by our partners at BetMGM. Tennessee is an eight-point dog to the dogs between the hedges. That's this a big number, down. right? It but was even big bigger. Number still, it was bigger, and people noticed that, and and money flowed in on but the like, balls. Are, are you guys are you guys shocked by that? Because I am surprised at how big I am too. Was. I am too. I I would have I would have put it around four and a half or five. I thought it would be less than a score. I guess eight is technically one score, but uh, what well, was it was eight and a half. When we did the reaction show, wasn't it eleven? Did it, it, it open at 11? eleven or eleven and a half? Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. I mean, the fun thing about this is that we're going to find out for real mm-hmm. if Tennessee's good. Like that, to me, like one way or the other. Yes, and and what we might find out, and this is the as I watch them, I was in Knoxville for that Tennessee Kentucky game, and I mentioned this on the show the other night, and I know this is premature, and I realize. If I say this, there are going to be some people you you can't say that you can't make that comparison. But what I oh, saw, no, he's, going to, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. Reminded me of reminded me of the 2019 LSU offense where there are just no answers. Now, if Georgia has the answers, then this is not like the 2019 LSU offense. But if they do to Georgia what LSU and did to Georgia in 2019, then yeah, it's very similar. Well, this this is the defense that would have to have an answer, right? Like, I mean, I know, you know, our our colleague David Ubbin had a really great piece um, breaking down coaches who have faced both of these teams, looking at their strengths and weaknesses. Highly recommend you reading it on The Athletic. And they made the point, you know, again, Georgia lost a lot of NFL talent off of last year's defense, but it's still a really, really good defense. And we've all been waiting and circling this game even with that, like we knew that the defense was going to take some time. Younger guys were going to step into different roles, but there was a ton of talent on the roster. But still, this is the question, right, of if anyone can slow down the offense. This is the question of, okay, how do you handle an offense that is just you know incredibly terrorizing, stretches the field vertically, moves really quickly, snaps the ball really quickly? Can anyone actually slow it, or are we talking about having to win a game, even against a great defense, where you're now, you're going to give up 30 minimum and trying to keep pace and, and to try to keep score as your offense, put the pressure on your offense. Like that's where we, we decide that, right? Is if there is a defense that should be able to or can slow down this type of offense, it, it theoretically would have to be this game, right? Like this is the team. Alabama's defense was not that defense. No, it was not. And and it made they made Alabama DBs look like they were standing still and Alabama's DBs are all going to play in the NFL. So that that's the part that that should scare you, but Georgia does have some absolute freaks. Jalen Carter, probably the best interior defensive lineman in America. Malachi Starks, he's only a freshman, but he's a complete freak. So what, maybe what? maybe Georgia has the athletes. But here's here's the thing I will point out. Tennessee's going to have to score a bunch. Because I am telling you right now, Georgia's offense is diverse enough to beat you kind of any way they want to. So, I mean, was part of the reason why 2019 LSU, LSU had no answers is because they had Jay Jettas and Jamar Chase on that team and Joe Burrow. Like, I mean, yeah. sometimes I wonder if you're unstoppable because your team is just too good and doesn't matter what your well, scheme well, is. Well, Tennessee, Tennessee has Cedric Tillman, who will probably not be on a pitch count like he was against Kentucky last week. Jalen Hyatt who has more touchdowns than Iowa's team does, 
this season. Well, you have more touchdowns than Iowa's team does. That's not true. Iowa has 13 <laughs> touchdowns. Some of them are defensive. I uh, but but <laughs> but 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 this one we we believe in Tennessee's scheme, right? Like we like what we're seeing. I mean, this this does feel yeah. like I see what you're saying, Ari, for sure. But yeah, I mean Jamar like Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson here. Like I'm going to say it again, right? Well, that might be the highest having a better season than either one of them had that year. That's but you also had Clyde Edwards Lair as like a safety valve. I don't know. Jay, Thad no, Moss was their tight end, to, wasn't he? Thad Moss was their tight end. People forget to cover Jalen Hyatt. And yeah, it's like they Joe don't. Burrow they don't forget. The it's that Tennessee well, moves him around in a way that you can't. Yes. Like if you read my my Tennessee offensive line story, there's a part in in there about how they set up a Jalen Hyatt touchdown by running the ball twice in very fast tempo, and then so they ran inside zone, inside zone. They get in this condensed formation on third and two. And you have to put a bunch of guys in the box because they just run the ball twice and they only have to gain right. two yards. And so they run outside zone to the left, run Jalen Hyatt behind the line of scrimmage to the right and just dump it off to him. There's there's one poor Chris Braswell from Alabama is like, you can see that he figures out the whole defense has be, been fooled. And he's like, crap. And he just pauses. and He's like, nope, can't stop this. No, and it's and that's a total credit to to what Tennessee is doing. Um, and yeah, again, it's not like people are forgetting to cover him. It's it's they're doing really cool things on scheme. I'm not gonna say that this offense is as good as LSU's 2019 offense. I think that conversation and the debates and the parallels and comparisons to that team can wait until if Tennessee wins a national championship, we can have those conversations because you know they still need to go through some of these great teams, just like. LSU went through great teams to get to that point. I think I think we could get into that conversation if they're in the uh, in the SEC championship game. Okay, so, so what are you going to take though? Are you going to take the? Oh, go ahead. Jalen Hyatt this. having I, about a pretty similar season to Jamar Chase in 2019. Now, Brew McCoy is not having a Justin Jefferson level season, but Tillman maybe we, we'll see if. I would take Tennessee. I think I'm taking Tennessee. I think they can win the game. I think they. Like, I, I think so a, too. I am a believer. I, I I'm going to take Tennessee. I don't know that they can win the game, but I think they can they can get within eight. How about you, Ari? You going dogs? I don't know, man. He, he looks it's so hard, miserable. Right? <laughs> it's hard, but that's game is the, that the snowman. Face, is the pain that is on your I'm, face trying to make this pick? I'm melting like a snow cone in Phoenix. Uh, I have no idea what. <laughs> I have no idea about this game, and I'm I like I I know that's not good podcasting, but. I will no, say that I, I, I'm, I, I honestly like both of the points are it's like make a lot of sense. And, you know, I, I was reading about Tennessee's create creativity offensively, and it makes me just love Josh Heupel more than I should. Um, but well, let, me, same, let me let me let me reiterate. Georgia's going to score. Georgia's going to. No, score. I know. And I think they might <laughs> score with ease. And that's the thing that scares me. And if like so Georgia's defense is not is not what it was last year, right? And I think people but think that is? Georgia's defense <laughs> isn't last year, so they're not going to win the national title again. And it's like, they are still incredibly good at defense, and they have yes. dudes everywhere. They have, like, it's like, yeah, I, I want to write a college football book called Dudes Everywhere. Um, <laughs> I, I don't uh, think that's a college football book. I think that yeah, book's whatever, been whatever, whatever, it, it might be a magazine. genre but. that you want <laughs> Yeah, be a hell of a magazine. You can buy it in airports. Uh, the the, the uh, I am very much struggling with this because in my mind I can picture 
Tennessee winning this football game and like taking college football by storm. I also could see Georgia just sucking the soul out of these fans and just being like, welcome back to reality. <laughs> that like, Arkansas really, game messed you up last year. Yeah. yeah Arkansas like, I, game. I, it's just like, I don't like betting against Georgia in any facet of the game. Like, oh, it sounds like you made a pick. Number. It sounds like we've got a pick. I think I'm going to, I'm leaning towards Georgia here because I think that Tennessee, the public loves them. And that's your favorite thing I like to bring up. Nicole, I think one of the commenters said that 77% of the public is on Tennessee. The line has clearly already moved four points because of the influx of, of cash. Coming I know. In. And then you get me and nervous by saying that that makes you nervous when that happens. No, it doesn't make me nervous. What makes me nervous is Georgia is awesome and they're playing at home and Tennessee has kind of been through <laughs> the ringer a little bit. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, well, also, Tennessee's defense may be much improved from the beginning of the year, but I don't know if that's problem solved either. I, I like Georgia by like 10 in this game. Okay. Are you, are there, you guys concerned see? about, but are you concerned about some of the, some of the offensive performances that Georgia's had? Sure. Uh, not, not particularly. No. I, Georgia, I mean, Georgia. Remember when we either. were? I just, I just think Tennessee will. If they're able, if Tennessee is able to play the game the way Tennessee wants, Tennessee can win the game. Andy, remember I, I, when you and I were driving to the Alabama game from B Dubs? Yeah, and we were listening to Georgia on the radio, mm-hmm. and I called out their sequence of plays uh, to you before they happened, and Same then it happened little, exactly little the same way. That to me is concerning because when Georgia gets into those types of games, sometimes you kind of can see that that offense playing out that way. It's like the swing pass, the miss. It's just like there. I will. I'm with you on that, Nicole. I think you're with me on this. Georgia's offense does not strike me. Like I would be more confident in Tennessee's offense than Georgia's offense. Now, the difference here is that Georgia's offense doesn't have to play against Georgia's defense. So I think that this game literally could be like 34 to 24. Like I, I think if people think that, this is going to be like 56 to 49 or something. I th- I think I might push back on that a little bit. No, I and I agree with that. I, I think that what we saw in Georgia in week one against Oregon, a win that is only looking better and better and better every week. Like we, I think we thought that Georgia was just going to be world beaters on both sides. Right. And I, I don't think that that is necessarily the case. I feel better about their defense than I do their offense. We've seen it be really special. We've seen the creative ways that they have used different players, including Brock Bowers to beat other teams, but there have been moments and halves and, and most of the Missouri game, for example, where it was shaky. And that's where it's like Tennessee's is reliable, even against, again, the better defenses right. played so far. That's, that's, that's why where, I made that comparison. I made, even if I made it a little prematurely. But we'll we'll know after this. Game I mean, both of these exactly. teams have team totals over thirty points. Yeah, so that's the game we're expecting. 30, uh, 35, I 31. Think 30, I think I, think, I so. think if you're Georgia, you have to. You're definitely have to score at least in the thirties. I think I think you got to score in the forties to win this game. So you I, like I the over sixty six and a half? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. I mean the the Alabama Tennessee game. The total was a hundred. There's also there's also a lot of. You don't think there's a scenario where Tennessee scores seventeen? No, that's uh, tough. Because even even if they really get held surprised. up most of the game, they will get they will get loose at some point. They they also so, they will get loose. They also have enough possessions. I I would be shocked that game. Would if you not think go that Tennessee that can game. score forty points, I would change my pick. I I, I think the think, winner of this game will score at the least. Winner 40 will points. do it, but I think the minimum is. Well, yeah, the winner might. I'm saying, do you think Tennessee will? I if Tennessee scores, T- Tennessee team total. Tennessee's team total uh, for the game, I think, is 31 points. 
Over, under. Over. Over. Then that makes me question my pick. They're very hard to stop, Ari. Like, I know. Kentucky's this is a really tough one. Bad, this and is they a ma- really tough one. They made Kentucky's defense look they, stupid. I think this might they, be the hardest game we've picked this year. And which is funny because yeah. we're wrong all the time. So that just means it wasn't easy. But like, <laughs> yeah, dude, like coming into it, like I just don't have a really good feel for congratulations, Bulldogs on your 34 to 11 victory. <laughs> My favorite yeah. thing was Ari a second ago being like, yeah, I could see Tennessee breaking through and, and, you know, owning college football, or I could see Georgia just crushing them. I'm like, yes, those are the two those, possible those are outcomes. The, no, there, no, 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 no. There's another possible out. The spectrum here. There's another possible one, which is Georgia wins 34 to 30. And it's a respectable yeah. game and Tennessee's no, still legit just, top four team. And, you know, but I, I could see Georgia just like stomping them back to reality, too. I'm like with Andy. I think I think it's the Tennessee Kentucky game and the LSU game that are what. Make yeah, those, those are those are good game. defenses with good players. And they and just they made it got, look so easy. Yeah. They were I mean, they so made it look open. easy against Alabama. It's never looked easy was, against Alabama. <laughs> They were so open. Like that's where. And How again, much better is Georgia's great. defense than Alabama's? Uh, it's better. I don't know how much better. Like Alabama has the best pass rusher in the country. All right, I'm taking Tennessee. And guys. Georgia's I, not. I, I, Georgia's okay. not a big. We flipped him. We flipped him. Let me let oh me have a personal disclaimer uh, to everybody listening to this. There's no way I would be putting hard-earned cash on real money on this game but i will watch the first quarter and i will will watch the live lines and if there is a good opportunity you never know what what could come up but like i'm not going to bet going into this i think we should switch to a different game because ari's going to flip-flop again if we continue we 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 will and we're going to take a tie we're going to take a (laughs) there you go push (laughs) no push it's going to be a push yeah georgia (laughs) by eight there you go yeah georgia's going to win 38 to 30 okay all right (laughs) we're going to pause briefly if you are listening to the podcast, when we come back, you will hear my interview with Megan Maroney, the singer of Tennessee Orange, which is a song that has been blowing up since Tennessee Ooh. beat Alabama, but is all about the Tennessee-Georgia game because she is a Georgia graduate who wrote a song about falling in love with a Tennessee fan and wearing, being willing to wear Tennessee Orange for him. It's a great song. Very fun interview. You're going to hear her on the podcast, a podcast exclusive. When we come back, if you're watching on the YouTube stream, We'll be right back with more picks. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, price line. The soundtrack for the weekend in Athens is going to be two songs. There's one by Megan Maroney called Tennessee Orange, and there's one by Connor Smith called Orange and White. And they actually tell two sides of the same story. These two artists wrote these songs within a week of one another, had no idea that each the other was doing their song. But Megan is a Georgia grad whose song is about falling in love with a Tennessee fan and being willing to wear Tennessee orange for him. Connor's song is about being a Tennessee fan who meets a Georgia girl and falls for her, but convinces her to learn the words to Rocky Top and to to put on the, the Bill Dance Power tea hat. 
these are great songs. They're both fantastic. It's, it's kind of the, the young singer songwriter country vibe. And Megan Maroney was nice enough to join us and discuss the writing of her song and how it is completely blown up since the Alabama game. Here is me and Megan Maroney. Joined now by Megan Maroney, the singer of Tennessee Orange. If you have not heard this song yet, you will hear it this week. <laughs> Megan, you're a Georgia grad. You have written a song called Tennessee Orange, which is about wearing Tennessee Orange because the, the guy, the person has fallen in love with is a Tennessee fan. How I know you, it hurts. <laughs> how, I mean, th- this is a bridge to cross. Like, how did, how did you how did you find yourself crossing this bridge lyrically? Um, well, it was kind of just a, a true story. I mean, after I graduated from UGA, I moved to Nashville. And um, obviously, there's a lot of Tennessee fans here. And, um, you know, I had a crush on one of them. So I wrote the song for him. But um, I would like to make it clear that um, I would wear Tennessee orange, but never Florida orange. So, oh, your <laughs> uh, your uh, your manager didn't tell you where I went to school, did she? Uh, are you a Florida Gator? I went to Florida. That is true. Oh no! Um, but, but listen, we all have to have standards, so I appreciate that you do draw the line somewhere. I, yes, Tennessee is where I draw the line. I, I'm not wearing Alabama, and I'm not wearing Florida, but Tennessee. So, I'm from like um, West Georgia, so Tennessee was never. I never really hated them too much. <laughs> you probably hated Auburn and Florida more, right? Yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> so you you were a student at UGA. You were playing music. I, I saw. I read that you were an accounting major. How different would life be if you were a CPA right now? <laughs> um, I don't know how happy I would be. I mean, maybe maybe I'd be happy, but um, yeah, my freshman year, um. Like, I don't know. I just, once I started doing pretty bad on my accounting test was about the same time that I got to play my first show in Athens. And then I like fell in love with music. So it's kind of good timing because I was doing pretty bad in my accounting class. (laughs) Um, The same time I found out that I liked performing. So. And how did you decide this is going to be my career? Because that's a, that is a pretty big step to take because you, you got your, your college degree and you know, you, you could, go into some other kind of desk job, but how do you say, all right, screw it. I'm going to play, I'm going to play gigs. I'm going to record music. Um, This is going to be my career. Well, um, during, I moved during COVID, um, I moved June, 2020. Um, so everything was weird at the time. I think it was a good time for me to move because I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, but I did graduate, from UGA with uh, marketing, digital marketing, and a music business in the music business program. Um, so I knew that even if like the song, if I got to Nashville and the songwriting thing didn't work and I didn't like performing and it wasn't all it was cracked up to be in my head that I could still go and like, you know, maybe work for a record label or something like that and be on their marketing team or do something. I knew I wanted to be in music, but I, was, I wasn't for sure that um, I could pull off the whole songwriting thing because I hadn't really written that many songs in college because I was too busy with schoolwork and stuff. But um, yeah, but everything thus far has, you know, been working out. So really excited the, about everything. 
now the record labels are going to be working for you. Right. No, and so the the one of my favorite things about Tennessee Orange is that there is there's actually another song out there by a Tennessee fan that tells the same side the same story but the other side of it. It tells kind of the guy's side of the story where he's he's met a girl from Georgia and they're in love and she's wearing wearing orange and white and it's, his name is Connor Smith and uh, and he's written a song called Orange and White. And so it, it was amazing to me because I heard your song first. I, I heard it on the highway on Sirius XM, which, by the way, means you're you're getting big time now. And I was in Knoxville last week, and I heard Connor, and actually met Connor, and he said that that he heard the song and he shot you notes like, "How did you? How did we write the same song at the same time?" Yeah, no, it was wild. I I think I posted like. Um, a week or two after I had written Tennessee Orange, I just posted like me and a guitar playing it. And he had sent me Orange and White. And we were like, we literally wrote the same love song, um, but like to each other, but it wasn't on purpose. Um, and I mean, honestly, if you think about it, though, I mean, like he's from Tennessee and I'm from Georgia. And it's really just, I mean, like, obviously everyone in the South really cares about football. So I don't think it's the most, un- I mean, with how people have related to it, I've, you know, found out even more that it's not that uncommon for the uh, house to be divided and doing some favors for your significant other. <laughs> That's exactly right. I was just about to say, it's the house divided license plate in musical form. It's a, it's amazing. Yeah. But but that you and Connor did this at the same time, because I, 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 I immediately thought of uh, the Dolly Parton song, Jolene, and there's a great song by by an artist named Cam called Diane that she put out a couple years ago that is basically Jolene's side of the story. But that right. was one where there was a classic song, and then years later, somebody wrote and so thought, okay, I'll, I'll tell the other side of the story. You guys did this simultaneously. Right. I My song came out a week after Connor's. Um, and I knew that Connor had the song because he had sent it to me like months prior, but um, I hadn't talked to him again since I saw his song was coming out. And then I was like, oh, well, mine's coming out the next week. But it was obviously we planned that for football season because um, I knew that Tennessee Orange, I wanted it to come out at the start of football season. So um, it's been funny to see. I, I like that people can make the connection that um, they're both sides of the story, even though it wasn't on purpose. <laughs> the, the first time I heard Tennessee Orange, I think was the the Thursday or Friday of the week that Tennessee played Alabama. And I was like, Oh my God, if Tennessee beats Alabama, this is going to blow up so big before the Tennessee Georgia game. So yeah, I'll be, I'll be honest. I was rooting for Tennessee hard that night. <laughs> I was going to say, and, and it's okay to root against Alabama as a Georgia right. fan. There's nothing, yeah, nothing yeah. wrong with that. that. That's what that was. <laughs> so, all right, I'm going to give you some practice because Megan, you're going to be huge. We, we know this. Your, your, <laughs> uh, your first single wonder is excellent by the way. And then, you know, the Tennessee orange, is everywhere now. So we know you're going to be huge. So at some point, you're going to be the guest picker on ESPN's College Game Day. Okay. Um, I don't want you to get Kenny Chesney disease and become the the person who, like, he grew up in Coryton, Tennessee, and then, like, suddenly he's on stage with Tim Tebow wearing a Gators helmet. Like, right. I, I'm hoping that doesn't become you, that, that you stay true to your Georgia roots. But so I need to ask you, if you were, if you were the guest picker this week on Game Day, and they said, Megan, What's your prediction? Who you got? Georgia. <laughs> Big? Yeah, 100%. And I'm wearing Georgia red this weekend, too. So, no Very nice. Orange. <sighs> well, that, that's the thing. You, once, if Georgia beats Tennessee and they're headed toward another national title, you're going to have to write a song to, to 
capture. Yeah, and so I was at the uh, Tennessee game last week too. They were trying to win me over, um, <laughs> and I saw. I mean, they are really good this year, and I I would be afraid if we were playing at Tennessee. But I think we're going to have a little bit of an advantage being in Athens because um, our fans, there's, we're crazy. So <laughs> that, that you are, I've, I've seen you in action. <laughs> we're going to be barking at people left and right. <laughs> well, Megan, thank you so much. Best of luck to you. And, and this song is awesome. And everybody go stream that sucker, buy that sucker. You're going to love it. Thank you. I appreciate it. And now back to the picks. Welcome back. We spent a long time on the Tennessee-Georgia game, but that's fine because I think it's it's the biggest regular season game of the season thus far. When's so, the last time there was a regular season game this good going into it? Alabama-LSU 2019. I mean, so think about that. I mean, it's been three years. Yep. Uh, Michigan-Ohio s- State last year. Mm, that no. was a good one. I don't know if it was like this. Michigan turned out great. Last year. Yeah. It turned out Michi- great. Michigan and Michigan State last year was Michigan, Michigan was, State last year was a top was 10. Really fun. I think that was the most fun game of the season last year. So, yeah, I mean, we there there are there are more of these. We don't we don't have to compare. We just be excited that this game's coming. I just like goosies. Appreciate. I goosies. Do you ever get goosies on your arm when you think about it? Goosebumps? Yes. Brett Not calls goose. them goosies. Yeah, of course she does. All right. <laughs> <laughs> glizzies. She should call them glizzies. Oh, I actually have trained her. There was a person at the Halloween party that we were at on Saturday night w- dressed up as a hot dog, and she grabbed me, and she goes, look, he's a glizzy. And I was like, I love you so much. <laughs> Beautiful. Let us move to the Big 12, because there is potential for high drama in the Big 12. Mm-hmm. Texas Tech headed to TCU TCU is an eight and a half point favorite in this game. The Horn Frogs, I learned a lot doing the homework you gave me after the games the other you night. Did. Ari. Yeah, yeah, that was an in depth story you did. Yeah, it was really interesting looking at some of these stats. TCU with the number three strength of record in the country. That's it's a hard thing to to do against this schedule to be undefeated right now. Uh, Tennessee's number one, Ohio State's number two. In case you're wondering. And what that means is, you know, how would how would a top 25 team fare against the schedule you've played so far? And, and where do you rank in there? So TCU's done a really amazing job so far. I don't know if we appreciate it enough. But can they keep doing this? Because it feels like the Big 12 is is so even that eventually it all breaks down. Texas Tech. Now they had they laid their egg last week against Baylor at home, got destroyed. But this is also the team that beat Texas. I'm looking at TCU's schedule right now. They've only played one game that was a one-possession game all year, and that was the thrilling comeback at home against Oklahoma State. So, I mean, I think like, it's because they fall behind, but then they come all the way back and then pull away a little bit. It's yeah, the I mean, falling they, behind still, part that scares you. But they're like, still at what point beating do they fall behind by multiple and not come scores? Back? The only one that they didn't beat by multiple scores, they had to come back from really late in the game. Uh, but the selection committee cares that they're falling behind. Yeah, I don't understand what that back. means. I didn't like that. Well, you know, like, you know what? I'm gonna, here, here, I'm going to, I'm going to help out with that because that has been my game my concern control. with them. It is over the last game few control. weeks. But until somebody beats them, I'm in. I'm taking TCU to cover every week until they. Yeah, until somebody yeah. Beats it's like them. at a certain point, you have to shift your thought process that TCU is just a Big Twelve team that happens to have not lost yet. To they're good. And like if they're yeah. good, then and they should be able the, to beat Texas yeah. Tech by eight and a half points. I'm with TCU too. I agree, and I also think that it's 
BS that the committee is holding it against them, that they've needed to come back in games and they're not holding that against other people. I, I do think, too, you know, TCU's had a string of games where they ended up facing, like, the other team's backup quarterback. Some of those backup quarterbacks have turned out to be quite good. I say, um, Will you know, Howard did Will just Howard's fine been, against Oklahoma State well, last yeah, week. He's, he's been phenomenal. Um, so, yeah, so I, I think they're getting dinged for certain things and for, you know, the lack of a brand name and all of that. But, yeah, I, I figured out a couple of weeks ago I would just ride with TCU until it ends because it's fun. This is a really fun offense. They're really they creative. I enjoy them. And I love Max Duggan's story. I think his his kind of uh, comeback and not earning the starting job and eventually earning it and having this type of season, like, that's just awesome. So I'm I'm all in with the Horned Frogs until until they lose. Let's go. All right, so we are a TCU podcast until somebody takes them out, which maybe it's this week, maybe it's next week. Maybe it's never, and they're going to the playoff. I still think 12-1, and one, Big 12 champ TCU, should be heavily considered for the playoff, but that is, uh, that's just me. One of the other things I learned, guys, doing that blind resume thing before the, the ranking show came out, the advanced stats still really love Texas. They they think Texas is back, even though Texas has demonstrated very clearly it is not back. Texas is a two and a half point favorite at the team that beat Oklahoma State 48 to nothing last week, Kansas State. Give me the Wildcats. I don't care if this is a trap. I don't care if Vegas is setting a trap for me. It's just a give me the Wildcats. that you have to set. Yeah. Uh I like Kansas State, too. I think they're playing very well, obviously. And uh, if you beat Oklahoma State by 48 points and give up zero points, um, it strikes me as Kansas State headed to the uh, Big 12 championship game, Mm -hmm. and they might get to play TCU again. And if they play TCU again, I don't think that TCU will beat them. I think it's very hard to beat the same team twice, especially one if they're humming the way that I think they are. Texas is a good football team. They're more talented, but... They're also still Texas, and they're going on the road against a very good team that feels good about themselves. I'm not laying points there. Okay, so I, I understand all of those reasons, and I also did not pick Kansas State last week, which was a very dumb decision as well. But I also I don't want to be. I didn't want. I don't want all of us to be on the same page all the time because it's boring. I do like Texas not as much as the computers like Texas, but I'm going to say that there is a hangover from what Kansas State did last week. And there is some potential challenges. Texas is a walking hangover. (laughs) Yeah, 6th Street creates a lot of hangovers, but no, I... yeah, they but just, I like, understand. Texas I understand exactly where you're coming over. from, Nicole. But like, let's just—I mean, Bijan Robinson. I just—I still really like the pieces that Texas has, and I it, think it's possible. I always that, like the pieces. That's been my problem. Exactly, the but the problem is, every once <laughs> the in a while they put everything. They're always great. Every once in a while they put yes, everything they together, together and make us look stupid. They do. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, they, they do. do. Texas is I, like I, if you took ten jigsaw puzzles of beautiful pieces and then mix them all together and then put them on the table and then you're trying to put together a puzzle and they just don't fit. And listen, it's like I'm I waiting for one day all, when the we're not puzzle all making fits. the same pick. The puzzle's gonna fit. I'm calling it. Okay, well, you want to put some more cottage cheese on it then? No. <laughs> <laughs> all right, one more in the Big Twelve. The Baylor Bears seem to have found themselves in the last couple of weeks. They they beat Kansas and then went on the road and destroyed Texas Tech. Now they are headed to Oklahoma where. Lo and behold, when Dylan Gabriel is healthy and playing, Oklahoma is just fine. When he's not, they have an offense that does not do anything. Baylor is a three and a half point underdog in Norman. 
Do we think Oklahoma just keeps on rolling now that they got their their quarterback back and the defense is learning the schemes under Brent Venables? It certainly seems like there's a lot of a lot of confidence now in Norman that was not there three or four weeks ago. Ari, I'll defer to you. Um, I have this thought. If this is Dylan always, Gabriel always played, when... I was thinking about this the other day, actually, and I wanted to, I was afraid to ask on the podcast, but it's a podcast, so let's ask. If Dylan Gabriel played against Texas, would that have been a two-possession game in the second half at any point? Yes. Like, like was that the whole th- It's like I'm trying Oklahoma's to make a... offense would have functioned. Yes. Because, like, Oklahoma would've... was so pathetic in that game, and I don't know what percentage of that pathetic showing was just the fact their quarterback didn't play it. It might be 80%. It might be 50%. I'd, I'd say it was probably 85 to 90%. Okay. I think I like Oklahoma here then. My, my problem is I think Baylor might be back too. Like yeah, Baylor's good. I think they're both playing a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. This that, is actually a sneaky good game. I I'm excited for this one because you know, watching Baylor the last couple of weeks, it's, it's nice seeing them, back to what they looked like last year. And I think that's what you were kind of wondering because, you know, they they make the move to go with Blake Shapin at quarterback and you think, okay, they must really think they're going to be better doing this than the team that won the Big 12 last year and then they they start slow. But this team looks like you can play with anybody. Mm-hmm. I'd take, I'm Give me the Bears. Taylor. Give me the yeah, Bears. Yeah, I guess Bears. I have no choice but to take Oklahoma. I, I, I think you're probably, I think, I I, I, I have to. no read on this. So Oklahoma yeah. going to lose their fourth game? They could. Is Texas A&M going to lose their fifth straight? Oh, we could go to that one right now. Boom. Florida, <laughs> three and a half point dog in College Station. I have no Florida. idea what happens in this game. Florida. No clue. Florida. <laughs> None. Florida. <laughs> got to be some sort of psychopath if you're going to be laying points with A&M right now. Florida. Hey. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So do you think A&M's competency on offense was strictly a function of Ole Miss's defense, or is Connor Wegman a better quarterback than what we've seen? But it only was for part of the game, right? The world can't handle me if Texas A&M comes out and lights up Florida. Florida's defense is not good. I'm warning you now. But if an A&M with Connor Wegman has like a competent offense, yes. But shouldn't they have won the game then? Shouldn't they have done more than what they did in the beginning of the game, throughout the game, if that's the case? I feel like 60 minutes of of competent offense from Texas A&M is still too, too much, much to expect. Too Florida, much. Michael Gosnell. Florida has covered every game as an underdog this season. Uh-oh, there you go. That's a that's a very interesting stat. Florida! Mm. Oh. Florida! Florida! Florida. I'm going to be the anti-homer and go with Texas A&M. How's I'm actually, that? I'm actually uh, <laughs> I have working no on a thoughts piece about the about recruiting, rank, uh, recruiting stuff heading into the early signing period. Yep. Now, now, let me say this again. And I don't know if you guys remember this. Texas A&M signed 18 top 100 players last year. I 18. That. I remember. That's literally 20% of the best players in the entire country. It's literally 18%. But yes. <laughs> that is we're the not, most insane thing. We're a bad math podcast. That's a round number and really easy to do the math of. <laughs> no, I think actually that. I can't. Only the nine, oh top 97% or 97 players in the country are the best players. We have a new show word, a new word for the show's lexicon. Walt Clark, there's some more arithmetic. I love it. Arithmetic is my new favorite term. 
We're probably going to make t-shirts at some point if we ever figure out how to make t-shirts or stickers. Well, here's the thing you have to consider. Like, is it me being bad at math or is it me using the word literally like a 16-year-old? No, it's it's, uh, the, it's the math. It's, use the math. It, it's both. It's both. You use the word literally when you actually meant figuratively and then the, the very poor math. This also. So let's get to the number that everybody's waiting for. We do this every week. The Iowa total. Iowa Purdue 39.5. You know what, guys? I'm going over with this one. I think Purdue can score a little on Iowa. And I think Iowa's defense over. can score a little. Sorry, I'm very distracted uh, by the RE arithmetic. What did you just say? Did you say you think Iowa can score a little? Iowa's defense. No, he said can Purdue. Score a oh, oh, I said I think Iowa's under. defense can score a little. I'm going under. I'm going over. I'm going over as well. Purdue, uh, Purdue, Jeff Brom is good against Iowa. Purdue's really fun. They've had some weird oh. games. They need to Over get correction some, to last week's game under. Yes, they need to like they need to no. Oh, you okay. mean for Iowa? I was yep. saying for Purdue, they also need to like shake off their last game against Wisconsin. So I go over as well. Let's say in the in the Big Ten, Ohio State thirty eight and a half at Northwestern. I, I I I threw this out here because it's it's a gory, disgusting, huge spread that isn't Ohio the field State is supposed to be gory and disgusting. hundred percent going to cover this no matter what. <laughs> and Northwestern's like going to like take a fire hose and their grass is going to be long and they're going to be playing in mud. Oh, it's, it's going to be like if, playing in a cow pasture. They do that anymore. <laughs> but they used to let well, it be long. I was reading on Twitter. People were talking about how the field conditions are going to be like playing in a sandbox filled with mud. Let's see what Evanston's weather is on Saturday. Sixty high, sixty-two, low, forty-five, raining. Bleh. Ohio State covers anyway. <laughs> They're covering to ten. I think I like Ohio State too. Yeah. All right, same. one more game, guys. North Carolina is a seven-point favorite at Virginia. I want to bring this up because I, I had somebody write into my mailbag column this week about the idea of Drake May as a Heisman contender, and. Initially, I'm like, eh. And I, I started looking at the numbers. Drake May's numbers almost identical to CJ Stroud's. Oh, yeah. They're yeah. And they've lost numbers. one game. One I would game. be very curious how many more offensive possessions North Carolina has had. Well, I can tell I you bet how you many it's more a lot. plays they've run. Yeah, I bet you it's a lot. But, in, in oh, by the way, Drake May, also North Carolina's leading rusher. Which is I mean, kind of Frank a problem. He's, awesome, a, he's a stud. Like he I is. I think it's easier to put up crazy offensive numbers when your ball, team gets the ball back every t- every five minutes because they allowed a touchdown. Does, <laughs> that, the, that does is, the level that of competition and does the level of competition play into this though? The I mean, I don't know. Here's the thing about the Heisman. Like C.J. Stroud has incredible numbers, and everybody like knows he's good. But like, has he been truly outstanding this year? Oh, he's been pretty good. I mean, he's like really, really good, and he might be the number one overall pick. I'm not trying to give him crap. I'm just, it's just like, has yeah. he had an outstanding season? I say he's had an outstanding season. Yes, I, I don't. Hinton Hooker feels like the one who's who's kind of running away with it now. But if he gets shut down on Saturday, then that that changes. And if, if CJ Stroud has a monster have, game against Michigan, yep, you still have that big game. So that defines it. But I, listen, yeah. I, I'm with you guys on Drake May. This line feels small. Yeah. Virginia is not a good football team right now. So I'm surprised by this. I think it's an easy, easy pick to the top for the. Yeah, I think I think you you say Virginia is playing better, but they they beat Georgia Tech and then went four overtimes with Miami. I I don't know that. Did anyone did anyone play better, play well last week? I'm not sure. 
Uh, so, in a four that Virginia Tech Miami game, no touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah, that Virginia Tech Miami game made my eyes bleed. Though I did enjoy the the ref who sounded like Mr. Mackey. That was that was a lot of fun. So I hope I hope he's back at another ACC game this week. And look, this will be fun. I'm just saying, watch Drake May. Keep watching Drake May because he might wind up in New York. I'm not just saying that just because in our Heisman draft, I picked Hendon Hooker in the first round and Drake May in the fourth round. That's not why I'm saying that. And and others have pointed this out, that it was about this time last year that Kenny Pickett started getting attention and the steam that ultimately brought him all the way to New York. So keep that in mind, too. Let's go. Drake May's going to get some John Famous Foods lamb cumin noodles in New York the day before the Heisman. He probably will eat that- something more expensive that day, but that's what I would do. Of course, so. this is about food. This is about the trip to New York for the food for Andy. Always. Always is. Always. Always it's is. Got great, I like it's got great food. Yeah, I like to stay on brand. Ari, Nicole, it has been a pleasure. I cannot wait for Saturday. I cannot wait to talk about it all. We'll talk to you guys after the games. 